I felt like an alien visiting some random ass planet where like there were all of these social norms and codes. Like it was another world. Why is everyone wearing these ugly ass shoes? This is Small Space Radio, a podcast about relationships and the environment. I'm Ariella. This episode is about dismantling the system from within the system. It's about coming into an alien space and making it your own. It's about destiny meeting inertia. Part one is an orientation to environmental justice. Part two is a story about finding your way on an alien planet. It's a story that might feel too familiar or brand new. The voices you're about to hear are of the two amazing, powerful women, Tatiana and Cecilia. They're working together to design an orientation program for incoming college freshmen. Their story is about how social and environmental justice make a partnership. This is a Native American land and that is being colonized and occupied. I don't know if a lot of people feel comfortable with those words or if they make them feel uneasy. But I think it's important to still speak them. Ceci has a deep connection to environmental justice. I am from Guatemala, and I grew up in the city, but going out into the rainforest a lot. I come from a country that has uh, such a large indigenous population. A lot of the land was indigenous, and they have been displaced due to social conflict. It's always interesting to me to see how people who occupy the land and use the land, don't have access to making the choices that manage that land. Tatiana comes from the social justice orientation, studying structures of anti-blackness. So my background is in English um, and representations of anti-blackness in literature, but I've never done anything related to the environment. I don't know much about environmental justice, but I just got so excited hearing my colleagues talk about it and learning from them and seeing how natural it was that we'd be in conversation and Environmental justice and social justice belong together, especially once we understand that an environment is so much more than just the natural world. What do we mean when we said environment? It was definitely clear that it was many things. It was like the build, the natural, the urban, the rural. Many people just think of the wilderness. It has this very wild, scary, isolating feeling and maybe sense to it. Institutions like ICE or just the detention system in general use the environment to kind of isolate people from resources. Everybody in the office jokes about this. I'm super critical. Even when I see things that are really, really wonderful and exciting, I'm still like, "Mm, maybe we could push it a little bit better. Part of like my self-discovery and like adjusting to this position has been using that as a strength for the work that I'm doing. I don't think we've come to easy resolutions, and I actually love that, that that's a reflection of us acknowledging how complicated and important the work is, is that we can't just put a Band-Aid and say that we fixed it or that we've encouraged our students to fix it, but we encourage them to sit in and strategize around those complexities. Most of the labor of this challenging, critical work is being carried out by women of color is great so these women can feed themselves and be personally sustainable, but it complicates the dynamic of what is possible within and outside of a system. 
it's kind of a paradox, right? They create these positions because they know that the institution needs those positions. And yet your work to try and make things better is bumpy and always uphill and really difficult. In this kind of progressive white liberal culture, which I'm not familiar with, I think that was like the biggest culture shock is I'm, I'm from the South. The way that we talk about race, the way that we talk about environmental racism, the way that we talk about lots of issues that are kind of really stratified in this country is very straightforward. We just shoot from the hip and we say what we mean and we mean what we say and it's not, there's no niceness. It's not couched in sort of niceties the way that it is here. We can do this thing and it looks really nice and we can look at you and sound really excited about it, but we might not do the really hard labor of completely reforming the way that this institution works so that sustainability and social justice are central to how it operates, right? Um, And that's a lot of work that involves like moving through a lot of pain uh, in an honest way. I don't see the capacity for that here yet because of, you know, comfort, just feeling comfortable with being nice with each other, being comfortable with like, you know, the immense amount of privilege that an institution like Williams will have. And of course, I'm the beneficiary of that privilege. Like my position wouldn't exist. I wouldn't be compensated the way that I am were it not for that. So I think it's really difficult for me personally to exist within an institution, to depend on an institution, and then be very, very critical of it um, every day. Nurturing ourselves and surviving is a necessary part of sustainability. But we're individuals, and institutions have a much more powerful impact on the world. A lot of Tatiana and Setsi's work is within the structures that offer us non-sustainable options, which is stifling, but also an opportunity. I realized that ignorance is a bliss. So the more I learned, the less I could enjoy things. It was so nice to really not know about all these things because I could afford in my privilege to ignore them. When I didn't know, I didn't feel the responsibility and the more I learned, I began to feel guilt. And then from that guilt came the decision to don't remain in it, but to become powerful. Wow, I I think that's like a moment that a lot of students don't really have while they're in school, is like that realization of how truly powerful they are just by being here. And the positions they will move to occupy and Mm -hmm. whether they will choose to perpetuate the systems that they feel that maybe here oppress them, but that they don't mind wielding against someone else that is a foreigner. When I think of the students being in power is because the students here have so much um, the possibility to shape the institution in such a way that that it needs to be scaled up, right, in order for it to work. And... Um, we all have our little part to play, but together, if the students have those common practices or guidelines, they are less likely to tolerate the institution to continue to offer them non-sustainable options. They will demand them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like once you know yourself and you know what you want and you know what's good for the planet, it's like you can't just fall back. Mm-hmm. Ignorance is a bliss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that it is a. It is a commitment of all of us. Whether you want to take it up or not, you breathe the air, you drink the water, you eat the food. 
whether you want to participate or not, it's pertaining to you. It affects you. It will affect your children. Sadly, communities like mine, like Tatiana's, like communities of color, they bear much more of that, uh, those symptoms or those consequences. Sometimes we think that if we have the economic means, I can still buy clean water. I can still buy mm -hmm. clean food. But can you? There is contaminants that right now we all already have. Whether you think you can buy clean air or water or food. So it's whether you want to take, once again, that power and, and begin to transform your life and, and your community and your region and your country and your planet. You need to learn both about the consequences of environmental racism, for example, and the work of the warriors, right? The mm -hmm. people who have been advocating and, and working and putting their lives on the line and dying for this work. And think about what they did and what we can do today. Introducing Isabel Pena. She's a rising senior at Williams College, a budding academic, history nerd, and plant enthusiast. I have a Finsta called plantlady.phd, which I think wraps up a lot of my personality, which is someone who loves plants, loves the environment, also kind of wants to get her PhD, you know. Isabel has always been absorbed by the simple beauty and aesthetics of the natural world. I came into Williams thinking I was going to be an art history major. And I was kind of fighting against, like, my destiny, which was to be a historian. At home, the Anaheim I know is majority Latinx, it's majority Southeast Asian, it's Middle Eastern, it's all of these really resilient immigrant communities. At home, I felt like I could be different in other ways beyond my identity. And then I went to Williams, and that was the first time I actually noticed I was a person of color. Not trying to say I didn't know I was a person of color, but it was the first time that I totally felt the weight of all my identities at once. My dad really raised me and my sister to love the environment and to love being outdoors and to really like have a spiritual connection to our place. And then I was so excited to go on this like five day backpacking trip, exploring a different physical environment. Backpacking was something I'd always wanted to do, but never had the resources to do. And so it was so cool that I was in a space that was actually like paying for this trip. The people in my group were talking about traveling and going to France and hiking in the Alps. And I felt really, really alienated. For five days, I, f I think I probably said like three words. Coming to Williams as like one of the diversity kids, I didn't have the confidence to like be seen because I felt like I was already so visible. They came out thinking I was super introverted and like, yeah, I don't, I'm not like super extroverted, but I'm not quiet. Like I have things to say. Welcome to the Northern Berkshires, where the Mohawk Trail and the Berkshires Cultural Route 7 meet. Just the first year was really just trying to understand where the hell I was. Is home to an extraordinary variety of cultural attractions, seasonal celebrations, and outdoor recreational activities. I've been able to make my community at Williams through people who like are able to see beyond, like the facade of like this happy, beautiful little place in the mountains. 
So that took a while to realize, like, I'm, I'm there for a reason. So it's really weird because to me, what I'm doing is pretty basic. It's like, <laughs> to say that immigrant communities are resilient with their environment, being an immigrant, like from an immigrant family myself, that's like, no duh. Like, okay. But then when you look at the academic world I'm surrounded by, they have no idea what I'm talking about. They're like, what? Like, that's a thing? Um, and I was given the chance to start an independent research project at Williams my sophomore fall. And it was supposed to be all the 70s and 80s in U.S. history. And everyone was writing about Reagan and economics and all this weird political stuff that didn't really feel like it touched home to me. But what I did know during the 70s and 80s is that there was a huge wave of immigration from Central America and Southeast Asia into Southern California. And that the Orange County, which is where I'm from, that I know today is absolutely not what it was supposed to be. Suburbia was meant to be a sanctuary away from what's been theorized as urban blight, AKA like communities of color. And suburbia is also like a renegotiation of racial and spatial identities where like a middle class comes to find itself as white. Where I'm from, like Anaheim and Santa Ana are very much majority Latinx. And we've changed the landscape totally. So I know that there's something there you can't really separate your histories from the place that you've settled down and live in now. I've been trying to do the work to understand, like, what is my position? Seeking a PhD and seeking to become a knowledge creator, like, air quotes, big air quotes around that. Um, and simply, it's just to reinsert and subvert what the standard has been for so long in academia, which is, like, the hegemonic narrative of domination. And it's because the way we think of the world is through that narrative of the dominant society or the dominant population, which I would say like cis hetero patriarchy, like all that super fun stuff. Like that's the way the world has been theorized for so long. And so that's the way we think the world works. But I'm like, no, there are so many other worlds that exist in our own and so many other ways of viewing yourself and your position relative to everything else outside you. There is so much untapped knowledge that has been excluded from what we consider academic thinking, but that like indigenous knowledge, immigrant knowledge, um, like just feminist knowledge and queer knowledge and all this stuff that comes out of the lived embodied experience deserves its own space. I don't think it does, needs to be like assimilated into what we think of as academic, but I think it deserves to be talked about and it deserves to be elevated to a level where we consider it another way of living and thinking and you know moving through the world. I think it's a process that probably took me like two years to come out of my shell. I'm trying to get into this weird ass world that is to me so abstract and so separate and isolated from the real world. Even though the surreal world of academia beckons, Isabel still knows how to ground herself in nature and in her love of plants. So hi, my name is Isabel Pena. Um, I am running for a class gardener. If you didn't know, class gardener is one of the positions you can elect at our graduation, which happens in the spring of senior year. There's class poet, 
there is the class historian, the class artist, um, class musician, and I think there's another one, but then there's also class gardener. So class gardener, basically, um, during Ivy exercises, they plant an Ivy plant outside of West College, and they get to sit on stage with a golden shovel. But you know, I'm trying to bring back dignity and importance and respect into this position. For the longest time, we've just had, you know, people who don't actually care too much about gardening as class gardener. They're just kind of like, I guess I'll do it. But no, when I heard about class gardener, like, I knew if I did anything at Williams College, it's leading up to hopefully one day being class gardener. But yeah, I'm gonna shoot my shot. I'm gonna someday come out with my plant form. Get it? Like, platform. Cute. I also love puns, so that's a plus, I hope. <laughs>